because they are mysteries. And a mystery definitely is a truth that cannot be fully understood. It doesn't mean it isn't true, like some people have tried to imply. And you might ask me now, what about death? No, death is not an end. Death is a transition to that state which Jesus is telling us, when we will be like angels. So it gives us a lot of hope. But it's as Jesus said in another place, don't worry about what can harm the body, worry about what can cast the soul into Gehenna. You have a soul, and it was purchased at a great price. Protect the soul. With their whole beings, the angels are servants and messengers of God. Because they always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven, they are the mighty ones who do his word, hearkening to the voice of his word. Uh, there are some people who don't believe that God creates an individual angel at the moment of conception. Some think that God just rearranges the assignments up in heaven and gives a, an angel a special responsibility. We don't know. It's one of those kinds of things where we don't know. We don't have all the answers. But when people start to go away from the sacraments, that means away from the grace of God, that is the work of the devil. Good evening and welcome. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM. Thanks for joining us this evening for this week's episode of Pastor's Perspective. The church is in the 31st week of Ordinary Time and we will be previewing the Gospel of Luke for the 32nd Sunday of Ordinary Time. After we finish our discussion of the Gospel, we will talk about the tradition of All Hallows Eve, better known today as Halloween, once we get that out of the way, we will move to a discussion of angels and demons that should be a pretty good examination of good and evil. I'd like to introduce the priests who are uh, sitting around the table tonight in the posse. Uh, we have Father Dennis. Hello, everyone. And Father Marty. Good evening, everybody. And Father Mike. Hi there. Our copy of the canon law is sitting here abandoned tonight as Father James is <laughs> on vacation in uh, Colfax. So... He's off visiting his family and getting uh, getting his batteries recharged. So we'll look forward to having him back next week. In our news and notes tonight, as the weather's turning colder, it's hard to believe that the year is winding down. I can't believe it's already November. It won't be long and the church year will be ending and the Advent season is just around the corner. Father Marty, can you fill us in on how Notre Dame did in their volleyball exploits? Well, unfortunately, we uh, the two-time state defending state champions came up just a little sh a bit short to Holy Trinity. Um, last night, we lost three games to one in the regional finals. So best of luck to Holy Trinity. And as someone said, they kind of had an unfair advantage because they had Father, Son, and Spirit, and we only have angels. <laughs> <laughs> We just came up a little bit short. Um, it was actually a great volleyball game throughout. I mean, there were saves on both sides. It was exciting, and they were close games, and um, it's unfortunate that one team had to lose. This was a game that should have been played at the state tournament in Coralville. So mm -hmm. it was a shame that one team um, had to go home last night. Yeah. 
But if it was a good game, that's important. And I thought it was interesting that the it wound up being the two Catholic schools that were facing off against each other. So maybe a little divine providence thrown in there. I will go back to when I was in high school because um, one of my mentors, I was going to be a sports writer in my younger days. Did you know that, Father Dennis? I worked for the newspaper down in Keokuk. Wow. And um, somebody made the comment that the state seems to put all the Catholic schools to play each other before they get the state. So he kind of did some investigating, and that opened up a little bit of a hornet's nest. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, but um, it was it was a good rivalry game last night. The fans were into it. It was just an all-around good game last night. Good deal. Well, they had an excellent year. So. Yes, they did. And they went down as champions. Yeah. If you're going to be a two-time defending state champion, everyone's going to be coming at you. And um, they went down. They, they, they can hold their heads um, high. Very good. And uh, Father Marty, I'll give you a break tonight uh, on the Upon This Rock campaign update. Uh, I don't know that uh, a weekly update on that might be a little overkill. So I've heard we've had a pretty good week, but I won't know till tomorrow. That's when I get the figures. But um, so we'll see what happens once Father Dennis's um, contribution comes in. Okay. That might put us over the one million mark. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know the uh, someone's coming to my house Saturday to talk to us. So. Mm. Uh, very good. Are there any other news and notes oh, of course. that we need to get in there? So you're in the first week of November, which is a great week in the church calendar. Um, Tuesday is All Saints Day. And so we have um, Mass at 5.30 on All Hallows Eve on Halloween at St. John's Church. And then on Tuesday, 7 a.m. at St. Mary and Patrick, 9 a.m. at Notre Dame, 12.10 at uh, um, St. Paul's, and then 6.30 in the evening at St. Mary's in Dodgeville. Yeah. So you have many opportunities to come to Mass on, on the Holy Day. And then the next night um, is our All Souls Remembrance Mass. And so from uh, the parishes, we will remember 60 people who have gone before us in death um, with the lighted candle and everything. And so it's a very powerful liturgy. And some people think that it's just for those families, you know, who have experienced the death in the last year. No. It's for all of our parishioners, and I do encourage them to come Wednesday night. Father Father Dennis, I know this will be your first experience. Yes. Um, I hope it moves your heart like it moves mine. Of course. And yes. I know that, uh, um, Father Mike, you had the Mass last year, because mm-hmm. one of us was laid up, mm-hmm. i.e. me. I remember. Um, and so uh, I missed it last year, but it takes on a little bit more special meaning this year, because it'll be the, uh, you know, the first one. After my mom's death, so mm-hmm. it's a beautiful, beautiful service, a beautiful mass, and it's worth coming to. And it's worth coming to also for the fact that uh, we're praying for all of those who have gone before us. I was just going to say that uh, just because uh, you lost somebody that you didn't lose them this year, that doesn't mean you can't attend the mass no. and pray for them. So, Correct. Uh, it, it's a it's a good thing for everybody because we've uh, we've all lost people. Yes. Well, let's get her going here. Father Mike, you have our opening prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we ask you again to be with us as we tonight go into the marvelous mystery of the angels in heaven and here on earth. Give us the grace to understand the meaning of this mystery and help them and help us to attain the end for which you made all of us, eternal glory with you in heaven. All of this we ask through the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike.
Tonight, the posse will discuss Luke's gospel for the 32nd Sunday of Ordinary Time, and that's chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. Uh, In this reading, Jesus answers a question from some Sadducees about the resurrection of the dead. And Father Dennis, you have our reading? Yes, sir. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and uh, raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but uh, died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but uh, those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because... They are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And uh, he is not God of the dead, but uh, of the living, for to him, all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father Dennis. So the, the first reading for today from Second Maccabees and the Gospel are closely linked together, and it gives us a vivid description of faith in the resurrection from the seven brothers who are put to death. It's interesting that the Gospel Sadducees speak of the seven husbands of the woman who died. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, correct? That is correct. And so the Sadducees are basically trying to use the law of Moses to prove their point that the resurrection is doesn't exist. That, that's one way to look at it. The other, the other way to look at it, too, is that you have to remember um, a chapter before Jesus has wept over Jerusalem and he has also entered Jerusalem. So now we're getting to the very end. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're right before the Last Supper, the Passion, and, and everything. Okay. And so Jesus is teaching in the temple, and these, and it's usually, um, he's going to, if he gets into verbal battles, it's going to be with two different but similar um, groups of people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Okay. Okay. 
Now, they're, they're similar in a lot of ways, but they're also different. And one of the things that the Sadducees do not believe in is that there is no afterlife, no resurrection. So it is an interesting question that they're posing about the, the resurrection. I think what they're, I guess what I'm trying to say in a long about way <laughs> is that they were trying to trap Jesus in speech so they would have an accusation against him. Okay, so it, it goes back to the trying to find a way to get rid of Jesus. Yes. Yeah, they wanted even, as you have said, they wanted to use the law to trap him. And they thought if we really catch him in this area, yes. But now Jesus is giving them a different explanation. I'm sure they were confused. They were confused because he's giving them another image of heaven and of the resurrection and afterlife, different from how they they perceived heaven or resurrection. So he's challenging them also. You think they get tired of trying to trap the Lord? No. You know, because our Lord always does this. He always turns, he uses their own arguments against them or he uses the Torah, the scriptures against them. And uh, they go away uh, confused to say the least. So, but even, even in this passage, it's interesting because our Lord is referring to in heaven, there is no marriage. They're, they become like angels, which is interesting tonight for us because we are going to be talking about angels in the next mm -hmm. segment. But he said that we will become like angels in the sense that there will be no marriage or given in marriage. Uh, we, we will not need marriage as the bond of love because we'll have a greater love at, at that time. Yeah, there are even some religions uh, which teach about heaven. Like you can go with your wife. Mm -hmm. They believe that if you have maybe two wives, four, six, you will be more happy in heaven because <laughs> you will be having many wives. So for their religion, they even allow people to have more wives. Yeah. That is a wrong belief like this of the services. Yeah. It would be a belief in favor of polygamy, you know, having yeah. many, many wives, which we don't believe in at all, of course. And yet, you know, it's really interesting because the whole scripture, all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is really a love story. And it's a love story in terms of marriage. It begins with the marriage of Adam and Eve and it begins and it ends with the marriage of the Lamb. And so uh, it, there are so many, I wouldn't say contradictions because they're not contradictory at all, but there's so many comparisons there that, that our Lord uses. Well, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are both Jews, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a competing view or a competing philosophy of the readings of, of the Law of Moses? Probably. It seems like the Sadducees were playing checkers and Jesus is playing chess. <laughs> well, and, and here's the big, and here's the four big differences, okay? The Sadducees would have the Torah only. They were confined to the temple. They were more upper class and they denied that there was any sort of afterlife. So when a person died, so did their soul. Okay. The only punishment or reward was during that person's lifetime. Okay. Okay. And they did not believe in a spiritual world, meaning that they did not believe in angels or demons. Okay. Okay. Now the Pharisees, on the other hand, are going to do, um, they're going to be more Old Testament. So not only just the, the Torah, but where the Sadducees were, just the Torah. Okay. They're going to have prophets, psalms, things like that. So it's going to be a little bit more interpretation. They're more of the resurrection. They believe in the resurrection of the dead. 
and in an afterlife. So they also believed in angels and demons. Okay. Okay. So the Sadducees were limited by their earthly view of the world. Yes. That would be one way of putting it. Okay. Yeah, I think it is also sometimes uh, we have also a different view of heaven. Some people think like the Sadducees, as I have said. Others even have their own view, as we said one time here, that maybe if you have a building or a nice car or something, you will go with it in heaven. But here, Jesus is giving us a good answer that in heaven, we will be like angels. These things of this physical world, they are for this world to help us live well, to help us glorify God, to help us know God also and save Him. But we will not go in heaven as just the Sadducees thought. What would be a parallel in today's world to the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Is there, is there a, a parallel today? The Jews themselves, the Jewish people themselves, worldwide, are divided over the details of what Father Dennis is talking about. You'll have the, the, the Hasidic Jews, the real, real conservative Jews, uh, with the different customs that to us seem a little bit strange at times. Uh, and then you have the Reformed Jews, the regular Jews, and then the Reformed Jews. And so they have different approaches to the very things that the priests here are talking about. So that would be kind of a parallel to what you're saying. Okay. Some of them do not. I was shocked when I did some research myself that some Jews do not believe in an afterlife. Some Jews concentrate fully on this life. Others believe almost in a kind of a... A few years ago here in the 80s, we had what they call the prosperity gospel, that if you were favored by God, you would see your reward here in this life. Mm -hmm. And there there are some Jewish people that believe that as well. And uh, so we've got to, you know, differentiate between the different. You have to ask each individual almost, what do you believe about the afterlife? Where do you stand? And I think one of the key lines, you know, that we, you know, that we have to remember that Jesus said is, he is the God, I'm the God of the living and not of, you know, mm-hmm. is that it? Not of the dead. And, and the thing is, we also have to look at, look where this gospel comes. We, we're going to celebrate all saints, all souls. Then we're going to get into this. And then we're going to get into end of the church year, into the first week of Advent, where we start to think about, it's not just the coming of Jesus at Bethlehem, but also when Jesus will come again at the end of time. And I think, and I think that's, and that's great hope for us is that he is God of the living and not of the dead. Um, and, and is that how Jesus used the law of Moses to turn it back around again and justify that the resurrection does exist? Yes. And the other thing too is, is that you have to remember is that they, they were trying the trapping. And so, you know, they bring this, you know, elaborate thing out of seven brothers and they're all going to die and da 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 You know, whose wife is she? And I think that's a very limited view. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, it's something that I think Father Dennis, you said this last week. You know, our language, you know, be it, you know, the language, you know, that you prayed the Our Father in last Thursday so beautifully at the concert um, in English, Latin, Greek, whatever it is. Our language about God and eternity is so limited. Mm. And, and the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's a mystery. And, and what we have to do is trust that once we are with God, it's not going to matter. Right. It's about an eternal relationship with yes. God. 
And, and I'll go ahead, Father Michael. No, I, just, I, I was just going to underscore what you said. I think part of our problem in trying to understand all these things is that we want to understand them completely. And that's impossible uh, here on earth because they are mysteries. And a mystery definitely is a truth that cannot be fully understood. It doesn't mean it is true, like some people have tried to imply, but it, it's true, but we can't fully grasp it. And I think sometimes we try in our frustration, we want to know everything about everything, and that can't be done. Yeah, in addition to what Father Mike has said, when Jesus says that God is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. What does it imply? It implies that our life is eternal. We are eternally created to live forever. And you might ask me now, what about death? No, death is not an end. Death is a transition to that state which Jesus is telling us, when we will be like angels. So it gives us a lot of hope. You know, when you know that where you are going, it is a peaceful place. It gives you courage, it gives you hope, and also you feel motivated to do something. Mm -hmm. So we have a hope and we have uh, promises to reach to that hope. So I think I like this gospel. That's one of the reasons why I hope Father Dennis is with me when I die, so that he can give me that great hope, because there is, it's a magnificent vision of reality that you have, Father Dennis, and you, I'm sure you have assisted so many people in that journey. It's oh, great. Oh, yes, oh, yes. So don't ever lose that, wherever you are in this world. <laughs> and, and I think, too, we have to remember the last line of last week's gospel, mm -hmm. when Jesus says, it is for this reason that I came to seek out those who were lost. And, and in pre prepping for this tonight, um, and it's something that I knew, but I needed to be reminded of, of the four gospel writers, who isn't Jewish? It's Luke. Luke. Matthew, Mark, and John are Jewish. Luke is not. Oh. The one who's writing this. And so he's writing to show the universality of the gospel message. You know, Jesus would use arguments that the people he was arguing with could understand. So Jesus is the great teacher who came to seek out those who were lost. Very yeah. good. We have even many people sometimes, because of the challenges of life, because of what they passed through, they get discouraged, they leave the church. When you talk to them, they say, Oh, Father, I have done a lot of bad things in my life. I don't believe if God can forgive me. That is a sign of losing hope. But if you read this gospel, that there is life after this life, after this world life, you can seek for God's mercy. And always the church doesn't look at what you did. The God, I mean, the church looks at your intention to amend your life and begin a new life at any moment of your life. Absolutely. And the church is full of riches. You made comment before we went on the air tonight as we were going over some of these things. You, you were amazed again at how rich there is, how many oh, yes. riches are in the church. Mm -hmm. And the church is full of those riches that are given to her by God for us. And that's a very important thing. The most important work of the church is to save souls. Mm -hmm. And the church goes to the very nth degree, in order, right to the last breath that we take to make sure that we benefit from that mission. Well, that wraps up our discussion of Sunday's Gospel. 
If you're just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Father Dennis, Father Marty, and Father Mike and getting their perspective on the gospel. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We're happy you're here. If you like what you hear, tell somebody about the show. Uh, now it's time to get into the second half of the show. Uh, tonight we will be, we'll start off by talking about All Hallows Eve, or as it is better known today, Halloween. Uh, as this episode begins on Monday night, all of the children around the city are going door-to-door, trick-or-treating, and getting candy and goodies. Uh, Father Marty, um, what's the history of Halloween? Uh, why do we trick-or-treat, and how does it tie into the beginning of November and the church? Why we go trick-or-treating, I'm just not sure about. <laughs> well, I have a great story about my mother with that. She almost ruined Halloween for me. <laughs> Um, but uh, here's, and this is in my bulletin letter this week, and, I'm, and I stole this from St. Anthony Messenger Press. Okay. So, but it said in 835, you were born in 835, weren't you? 835? Yeah. 1935? No, 835. No, I was okay. not here. Oh, you weren't around? We were looking forward to my coming, but I wasn't okay. here. You weren't around when Pope Gregory IV moved the celebration <laughs> for all the martyrs, later all saints, from May 13th to November 1st. Okay. The night before became known as All Hallows' Eve, or Holy Evening. Eventually, the name was shortened to the current Halloween, and, and then on November 2nd, the church celebrates All Souls' Day. And so basically, it took a, um, it took a, a rite um, that started with the Celts that they would call upon. It's kind of like the land of the uh, uh, living dead. Um, you know, that TV show, The, the Living Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would be one night where they believed that the monsters and the ghouls and everything. But when the Christians came and, um, and uh, converted the Celts, we kind of put a Christian spin on it. Oh, okay. And so it became, you know, All Hallows' Eve because it's the eve of All Saints' Day. Oh, okay. I have a question. Is someone from outside, uh, what can you say for the matter for some people who, during this time when we approach Halloween, sometimes they are uh, afraid or they are scared? Uh, is there anything you can tell them because it happens? Give me, give me a little bit more information there. I say some people I have encountered many when it is this time when we approach Halloween, some are scared. Maybe they are afraid of the spirits or the ghost or something. Right. What I would say is is I would go back is you as long as you believe that God is with you, that none of that can touch you. And I think that's the important part, okay? Is that sometimes you know, Halloween is, is a fun time for kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they get to dress up. You know, I don't know if you remember the homily I gave one time. I put a mask on during mass one time. You know, I put a Batman mask on, you know, <laughs> because, you know, always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman, then always be Batman. Okay. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, the, the big thing is, is that we don't take it too far, Father Dennis. Okay. okay? Where if we're out just to have fun, you know, trick or treat. Um, and, and that's the one thing I've noticed too. Kids don't say the thing much anymore. It's just basically they put their bag up and it's like, show up. yeah, um, let's hear it. Hear what? Yeah. You know, I always like trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat, you know, type thing. <laughs> you know, I think it's just some fun, Father Dennis. I think when it, when it crosses the line, when we're going to talk a little bit later on tonight, that's when we get in trouble. That's when we open the door to trouble. Okay. And here, and, and here's where I would say is, the true origins of Halloween lie with the ancient Celtic tribes who lived in Ireland, Scotland, etc. For the Celts, November 1st marked the beginning of a new year and the coming of winter. 
The night before the new year, they celebrate the festival of Samhan, Lord of the Dead. During this festival, Celts believe the souls of the dead, including ghosts, goblins, and witches, return to mingle with the living. So in order to scare away the evil spirits, people would wear masks and light bonfires. So that's where that tradition of trick-or-treat and dressing up come in. We wear the masks. Now, here's, and here's where I think the church does it very good, because the next day is All Saints Day. And I'm going to quote one of my favorite authors, Thomas Merton, who said, to be a saint is to be myself, who God created me to be. All right. Well, now that we know why we celebrate ghouls and goblins this time of year, uh, by extension, that brings us to our topic tonight, angels and demons. It's a classic struggle between good and evil, God and the devil, heaven and hell, paper or plastic. I know one thing for sure. When you do a search for angels and demons on the internet, Hollywood certainly has the market cornered for an endless array of movies about angels and demons both. Why are people so fascinated with this topic? Hmm. I was going to make a little joke when you said angels and demons because it's the holiest event of our time, perfect for their return, you know, follow them, following the murder of a physicist, fathers... Silvano, a symbolist and a scientist, are on an adventure involving a secret brotherhood. Clues lead them all around the Vatican, including the four altars of science, earth, air, fire, and water. And then an assassin shows up. Ah, look out! Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> that's, that's the movie Angels and Demons. You know, I, I think it goes back to, to the gospel today. I think we are, um, I really do believe that we are intrigued by the afterlife. We are. Eternity. Sure. You say things like, nobody has ever come back from the dead to tell us what it's like. Well, Jesus came back from the dead. Lazarus came back from the dead. And uh, they're not telling us some terribly horrible story. In fact, Jesus is giving us the greatest news that we've ever received. But I think it's, it's, it's just very important that, like Father Marty said, you know, we're intrigued by all of this. And so we make up stories about it, or we give into our worst fears about it, or we give into our greatest hopes about it. It's a very interesting kind of thing. Yeah, I want to talk also about the demons, that uh, sometimes it is not easy to see because the devil doesn't work in public. Mm -hmm. So you can live and uh, continue with your life, but the devil is working 24 hours. And sometimes we are not even aware of it. But if you see the actions of the people, what happens in the society? If you see some places we have uh, believers who have uh, such a strong belief in the demon or the evil powers, and they have uh, public places, you can see now that the devil is really working. But until you open your eyes is when you can see that really the devil is working. And I think you make a good point there is because... and. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm a little bit guilty of this. Maybe we don't preach enough on the evil that is in the world. There is evil in the world, mm -hmm. you know, but I think a lot of it too is, you know, Tony, you, you went back, you know, why are people so, you know, intrigued by all this? We like to be scared. Right. But that's something that I'm, I'm not saying we, you know, because Jesus would say, be not afraid. But it says, Jesus said in another place, don't worry about what can harm the body. Worry about what can cast the soul into Gehenna. And you said that a little bit earlier, I believe, Father Mike, is that, you know, our primary responsibility is for the salvation of souls. As I told the kids Monday, 
at the eighth grade retreat with Immaculate Conception in Notre Dame, you have a soul and it was purchased at a great price. Mm -hmm. Protect the soul. Let's start off by talking about angels. Uh, like what, angels. Uh, what is an angel? Is there, is there a definition of an angel? Or I know God created angels and they don't have a, a physical being like we do. They're a spiritual creature. Basically, here's what the catechism says. Okay. I know our, our canon law expert is not here tonight, but I'm <laughs> but I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the catechism. Okay, and I'm going to go back to Saint Augustine. Okay, angel is the name of their office, not of their nature. If you seek the name of their nature, it is spirit. If you seek the name of their office, it is angel. From what they are, spirit. From what they do, angel. With their whole beings, the angels are servants and messengers of God. Because they always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven, they are the mighty ones who do his word, hearkening to the voice of his word. Good. That's exactly right. And St. Thomas Aquinas built on that later on, about a thousand years later. And he was talking about uh, these spirits. The word angel actually means messenger. And usually when they're talking about angels in the scriptures, they don't always use the word angel, but they use terms, especially in the Old Testament, they use terms like powers of God or uh, messengers of God, not messengers so much, but uh, ones who stand before the face of God, the army of God, all kinds of things indicating not so much what they are, but what they do. And so you can find them all the way through the Old Testament under different names and in the New Testament as well. And then the origin of angels and also demons can be found in the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation or the book of the Apocalypse, depending on what translation you're using. And uh, they, it shows the, the great battle that happened in heaven between those who followed God's will and those who chose not to do so. And so we had the beginning of the conflict between angelic spirits and so forth. Some of them are archangels because of the importance of the work that God had them do or because of the importance that they would have later on in the economy of salvation. And some of them are just ordinary plain angels like each one that is created uh, to uh, watch over us individually, which we call guardian angels. The archangels that I'm aware of or that I know are Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Mm -hmm. And Ninja Turtles? And <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in a Half Show, Turtle Power. <laughs> I told you not to get him started. <laughs> I had a nephew that loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sorry that they're let out. Oh, yeah. My kids love the yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, too. Good way to teach the allergy. <laughs> but, but there again, there's Hollywood taking parts of faith and integrating it into kids' shows. Sure. And well, that, I was going to bring this up some time ago when Father Dennis was talking about how people are afraid during Halloween mm -hmm. and the fear and all that. A lot of that comes from Hollywood. Hollywood has taken basic theological concepts and developed them on their own, bringing in evil and death and fear and all the rest of that to scare the wits out of people, you know. And you talk about scaring the hell out of people. I wish Hollywood would scare the hell out of people more often than scare just scare them to death. You know, we don't want that to happen because there's a lot there for them to work with. And you know, it's interesting because you know Michael, Gabriel, Raphael are mentioned in the Bible. Very, very important. You know, Michael, um, one who is like God. 
I know. Uh, <laughs> you get some humility over there because pride threw Lucifer out, you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay, I'm just I saying. Know, I need a little you humility. You get some pride, humility there, okay? The problem with Michael is it is translated just like you said, who is like God? Now, is that who? Is that an interrogative? In other words, is it asking a question? Who is like God? Or is it a relative? It means, you know, Michael, the one like God. You know, so I always choose the second option there myself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And and the way that I always look at it too is, and I know I'm, I hope I'm not in the heresy here. If it is, sound the alarm, okay? But I always thought of Michael as God's strength. Well, you know, kind of the protector. Mm -hmm. And here here's the thing is, so here's how one of the ways that we can teach people about the archangels. Mm -hmm. um, we constantly have to choose between right or wrong, mm -hmm. between giving and, and selfishness between, you know, maybe obeying God's will and going our own way. So St. Michael the Archangel can help us in that, okay? St. Raphael, God's remedy, um, who came to Tobit and walked with them, you know, on the journey, the healer. You know, when we're sick, we can ask for the intercession of St. Raphael, the healer. And then, of course, probably the one that we know the most about, um, Gabriel, God's messenger. If there was an important mm -hmm. message, God was going to send Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> so if Gabriel shows up, listen. Listen. Do not be like Zechariah and question <laughs> the angel. If you do, you're going to be mute. Uh huh. You hear that, Mike? I hear that. Okay. Well. Yeah, I never question angels. Yeah, that's why you have not gone mute. <laughs> Everybody knows that I haven't gone mute. <laughs> So how many types of angels are there? Are there different types of angels or are they all just one big group? It's there. There are what's called nine choirs of angels. And pardon me, folks. Um, as someone told my mother in Kyoto, did um, a kid did this. This is a Marty tangent, by the way. A kid asked my mom when I was pastor in Kyoto, did Father Marty always want to be a priest? Well, pretty much. And then the kid goes, well, why didn't you get him singing lessons? <laughs> but I've got to sing to give you the nine choirs of angels, okay? You ready? He watchers and the holy ones, bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones. Raise the glad string, alleluia. Cry out dominions, princedoms, powers. E virtues, archangels, angel choirs. So there's the nine. Thank you. Very good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, in addition to what Father Marty has said, I mean, it is a sign that we are protected. When we say we are under God's protection, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, it means a lot. If God can leave you even one second, you are gone. You cannot survive. So it is also the same message that uh, we should be courageous and embrace our faith because we have so a lot of support from God himself. Agreed. And and one of the things, too, and um, I don't know if you do it very often, Mike, or do you ever use Eucharistic prayer number four? I, very seldom. I like it. I think it's good. Yeah, I use it every so often. Just the, um, I used it Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is because I just don't like to get, Lord, you are holy. You know, I, I want to keep myself fresh as well. But here's, but here's what I love. This is the preface. It is truly right to give you thanks, truly just to give you glory, Father most holy, for you are the one God living and true, existing before all ages and abiding for all eternity, dwelling in an unapproachable light. Yet you who alone are good, the source of life, have made all that is, 
So that's the one thing we need to remember too. God made the angels, okay? Created the angels. Yet you who alone are good, the source of life, have made all that is, so that you might fill your creatures with blessings and bring joy to many of them by the glory of your light. And so in your presence are countless hosts of angels who serve you day and night, and gazing upon the glory of your face, glorify you without ceasing. With them, we too confess your name in exaltation, giving voice to every creature under heaven as we acclaim. Wonderful. And I love that. I do too. In your presence are countless hosts of angels who serve you day and night. And it's interesting that all four of the Eucharistic prayers in that uh, uh, preface, in those prefaces that you have, there's more than one, but every one of them ends with a kind of a, a gathering of all the angels to praise the Most High. So mm-hmm. it shows you how important that particular role of all the angels is, is to day and night stand before the throne of God in praise of Him. And also it reminds us that whenever you do, before you do any activity, it is advised to pray. I mean, to invite God's presence in your activity. Mm-hmm. For example, when you drive, do you remember to pray first to ask God's protection? Sure. Uh, when you, you, you do any activity of your life, when you are at work, right. do you pray before or after? So it is just like um, a summary of our life, mm-hmm. which we must put into practice. Yeah, when I was younger, my dad always used to remind me not to drive faster than my guardian angel can fly. (laughs) Well, my Jesus usually, when I have a crucifix in my car, Jesus is usually hanging off the end of the crucifix, (laughs) hanging off for dear life when I drive. And and I think there's something too, you know, as we kind of go in, we kind of um, mention that, but I want to go into the rite of baptism, if if that's okay. Sure. Because one of the things that we do, and I I love this, is that... um, we have the litany of the saints, okay? Holy Mary, Mother of God. You know, here's the primary four. Holy Mary, Mother of God, St. John the Baptist, St. Joseph, St. Peter and Paul. And then we add, I usually add in the names of the name of the child. Um, so it would be, for me, Martin and Gerard. Dennis. And then Dennis, you know, Michael. I don't think so. Hmm? No, We're not adding in Michael? I'm oh, okay. Um, Michael. Michael Theodore. There we go. All holy men and women, saints of God. And then we do what's called the prayer of exorcism and anointing before baptism. And what I say here is that there is evil in the world. And we can talk about that in a little bit. I'm not sure there's a, a guy out there with... A, you know, red with goat legs and his pitchfork and <laughs> and that, okay? But there is evil in the world. There is an evil one that, that comes at us, especially when we turn our life over to God. He's really going to claw at us mm-hmm. and try to turn our hearts away from God. But here's the prayer that we pray. It's called the prayer of exorcism and anointing before baptism. Almighty ever-living God, who sent your son into the world to drive out from us the power of Satan, the spirit of evil, and bring the human race rescued from darkness into the marvelous kingdom of your light. We humbly beseech you to free these children from original sin, to make them the temple of your glory, and to grant that your Holy Spirit may dwell in them through Christ our Lord. Amen. And then as we're anointing, or this this is the way I do it. May the strength of Christ the Savior protect you. As a sign of this, we anoint you with the oil of salvation in the same Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
And I think that's very, very powerful. Oh, it's very powerful, yeah. yeah and that is why baptism marks as an indelible mark for the entire life. You mm-hmm. don't do baptism twice. If one is baptized, uh, baptized once, that is, is that enough. Is sufficient, yeah. Because you get the fullness of what you need right yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. And in the earlier rite of baptism, the, the consul, the Second Vatican Consul, it, uh, in many of the sacraments change some of the words and so forth. But in the earlier rite, which is just as valid as this rite, uh, the church directly confronts the evil one. And in the rite of exorcism, the church directly confronts the evil one and tells him to leave or, or not touch this, this child, which is who's made in the image and likeness of God. In the exorcism, it direct, deliberately tells him to be cast out. And uh, that's one of the parts of Hollywood that I kind of liked in looking at the Exorcist, the movie. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things wrong with it. But one thing that is right is that the, the person who plays the priest used the actual earlier rite in, of exorcism, telling him to cast out. The church uses its power to cast out the spirit of Satan and evil. And, and one of the things, too, is we not only invite, you know, the angels to be with us all through our lives, but also at the funeral. Mm-hmm. As I prayed this this morning, um, may the angels lead you in the paradise. May the martyrs come to welcome you and take you to the holy city. Love that. The new and eternal Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's full of hope. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think that's what the angels give us. And I love what you said, Father Dennis. You know, that God, you know, one of the things that we pray in our office um, and I love it. it. I think it appears a couple times in the responsory. Mm-hmm. You know, may the Lord keep us as the apple of his eye. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're the apple of God's eye. And God loves us so much that he doesn't ever want to take his eyes off of us. Mm-hmm. And to do that, he gives us our own guardian angel. Right. Yeah. Uh, Father Mike mentioned guardian angels earlier. Um, and I remember from the time I was a little kid, I always heard my parents talking about my guardian angel. Um, what What is a guardian angel, and, and why do we have one? Father Mike, you want to take that one? Sure. A guardian angel is one who is appointed by God. There's some dispute in the church as to exactly when guardian angels come into existence. you got to remember that an angel is a pure spirit. So there's no body here. There's only a, there's only a soul. But... God uses a great deal of emphasis is placed by some people in the church, some theologians, that at the moment of conception, God brings forth a new angel into the world as well as a human being. And that angel is given the responsibility of uh, watching over that little baby from the time of its conception to the time of when he's called home. Angels have a great place at the last moments of life as well, you know, at the, at the deathbed. Uh, there are some people who don't believe that God creates an individual angel at the moment of conception. Some think that God just rearranges the assignments up in heaven and gives a, an angel a special responsibility. We don't know. It's one of those kinds of things where we don't know. We don't have all the answers. In fact, we don't have many answers. But we do know that the angels of God uh, are such that he gives them responsibility to help each individual soul. He talks about uh, you know, don't be, don't malign little children, don't scandalize little children because their angels are constantly seeing the face of God. So he actually says that the little children each have an angel. And so those little children grow up to be human beings and being, to be men and women. And so they have an angel guarding them. 
always. Now, whether or not we need to make room in the dining room table for our angels, <laughs> uh, like the nuns used to tell us in our seats at school, uh, that's another question entirely. Or another, whether or not we need to name our angels, I know that was a question that somebody brought up. Uh, that can be done, I suppose. It's not necessary, but it can be done. Uh, I think there are a lot of things that were... I, I look forward to my angel at the moment of death because of that moment uh, of being between this world and the next, I think is very important. I think there's a struggle there. Some of us have already seen that where the person has a hard time dying because of the struggle between the power of good and the power of evil, the angel of light, the angel of darkness, the demon. Uh, but I, I think instead of immediately seeing God face to face at the moment of God, and this is not church teaching, this is my own development uh, based on a lot of theologians and spiritual writers, I think that our angels meet us first and foremost, that they accompany us. Pope Francis would love this. They accompany us into the kingdom. And before we actually see God face to face, we get to see our relatives and our friends who have gone before us. It's a very comforting journey because uh, because we get to see so many people whom we have loved in this life, and uh, they, will, they will take us into the kingdom. And I think second to last, we see the Blessed Mother, and she takes us in to meet her son. I love Bishop Sheen's line, Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. And he said, uh, uh, he was asked about special devotion to the Blessed Mother. And he had the feeling that everybody meets Mary before they meet Jesus. Now, I know some of our Protestant brothers and sisters might have a problem with that. But she is his mother. She is our mother. And so we meet her and she takes us to Jesus. And Jesus says in the words of Bishop Sheen, oh, I've heard my mother speak so often of you. In other words, you know, yeah. we kind of get a little in there because of our relationship with, with our mother, who is the Blessed Virgin. She intercedes for she us. She intercedes for us, yeah, I think so. We talked a little earlier before we went on the, the air about the devil's influence in our lives. And we were talking about at the lead up to the parish mission last week, uh, the devil was in full gear trying to keep the whole thing from happening. <laughs> what is the devil's influence in our lives? How do we protect ourselves from demons and from the, the, the impact of evil and the devil in our lives? Today, in, in the morning mass, I had a question to the people, and I wanted to hear from them how they perceive like the evil, the evil one, the demons, or the, the, the I mean, all evil spirits. And I said, is there anybody who has an experience or who has seen someone who is possessed by the devil? You asked them that? Yes. Oh. It was related to the, to the gospel. And uh, they said, mm, no. Really? <laughs> Only one person. Very dangerous <laughs> question. Yeah. So what does it mean? Sometimes we don't know our enemy. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you don't know the, the, your enemy and the strength even of your enemy, you can even fail to get uh, what kind of force or strength you need to, to fight that enemy. Mm-hmm. But as I have said, you can see the presence of the devil through various ways. Mm-hmm. One, look at the sacraments. If people are following the sacraments, well and good, because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. But when people start to go away from the sacraments, that means away from the grace of God, that is the work of the devil. Look at the commandments, for example, the Ten Commandments. In some cases, people say, I don't care. I don't care. Oh, this I can do, or this I don't do. 
All these are the works of the devil. And of course, other people engage in so many funny stuff and uh, end up into trouble. Mm-hmm. So there are so many ways you can see the presence of the devil sure. among the people. All right. I think officially, officially now, the devil works through temptation. He works through obsession and he works through possession. Those three official ways of his getting involved in our in our life. Most commonly, by far, by far most commonly is through temptation. I, uh, temptations can come from the world, the flesh, and the devil, those three main areas. And uh, w- when they come from the devil, you, you're pretty much aware of them, I think, because you realize there's an outside force working on you that our Lord says you'll never be tempted beyond strength. He'll give you the strength to avoid, to deal with any temptation. But that doesn't mean you're not going to feel the hurricane force of the temptation. And if you've ever really been seriously tempted, I don't mean little things, but I mean something really big that is a real temptation, a real drawing power to do evil, you're, you're aware that there's some kind of force that's behind that. At least that's been my experience, and I'm a priest, so. And I think, too, you know, I had a baptism last Saturday, and um, they were a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because um, they had hit, you know, the age of reason, you know, a little bit older. And one of them said, now that I'm baptized, I'll have an angel on both of my shoulders and the, the devil will be crushed down smaller. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We're words from the youth. Amen. Out of the mouths of babes, huh? Yes. Um, okay, we're getting close on time here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a little lightning round thing here. Um, I got a couple of questions here that I want to run by you real quick. Um, is it true that the devil uh, started out in heaven with God as an angel and uh, threw it all away? Yes, Pride got in the way, and um, from what I uh, from what I researched today, um, basically um, the tradition is that two thirds of the angels obeyed God, the one third that refused and chose to follow the rebellious Lucifer were cast into hell, and some of these are allowed to take their hell with them and roam the earth where they contempt us. So two the the good angels take their heaven with them and roam the earth doing good for us. So a guardian angel is assigned for us. But yes, Very good. Lucifer was a good angel who got cast out because he wanted to be more powerful than God. There is one good point I want to make also, that um, sometimes the demons use our fellow human beings to make us enter or be in trouble. They can be our leaders. They can be anybody, our church leaders or civil leaders. If they get one, they are really happy. If the evil... The, the, the devil gets one person who is influential maybe in the society or in the country, that becomes a success. So it is good to be aware of it because the more you go up, the more the devil is hunting you. Mm-hmm. And not only can he use people, he can use things. He causes, yeah. he, he, he causes confusion. Yeah. He causes disunity. He causes division. Yes. He's the great father of lies. So Lucifer means... Uh, uh, angel of light, you know, and he's anything but light, you know. He's not the mm-hmm. bearer of light. Yeah. He's he's the evil one. He's a great deceiver. And so he loves to cause confusion among, especially among good people that are trying to do the right thing. All right. So do exorcists still exist in the church today? Yes, they do. But um, they are to be kept secret. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I can add something to Father Mardi. We have uh, exorcists who can do private exorcism, but we have also other exorcists mm-hmm. who are public exorcists. That's true. So there are two ways. 
And you guys are kids compared to me, because when I was ordained, part of the, the process of being ordained a priest, there were seven steps to the altar. And one of those steps was the rite of exorcism. So all of us who were ordained before 1970 were ordained exorcists. So I'm an ordained exorcist. I just can't use the power without the permission of the bishop. So, and that shouldn't scare you, Father Dennis. Don't look frightened. <laughs> but uh, it scares me more than it scares anybody around no, to be honest right. with you. Very good. So finally, my last question is, is it true that every time you hear a bell ring, an angel gets his wings? Yes, that is true. <laughs> because that is the best Christmas movie of all time. Of all time. I agree. Better right. than Die Hard. All right, very good. <laughs> That's what they say. They say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Maybe we could have that discussion in Advent. What makes a good Christmas movie? A good Christmas movie. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll research that. That brings us to the end of our show this week. Pastor's Perspective for next week, the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. We'll continue our journey through Luke's Gospel as we move on to chapter 21. And we will be talking about prayer life. How is your prayer life and what you can do to make it better? As we near the end of Luke's gospel, we also come to the end of the church calendar year. The 34th Sunday in Ordinary Time is also the celebration of Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, and is the last Sunday of the church year. And we all know what that means. In two weeks, Advent starts, and we start to prepare for the coming of our Savior. Until next week, go forth from Mass and make disciples. Share the good news and God's saving love with those you meet. If you're not actively practicing your Catholic faith, we invite you to join us for Mass. Consider this a personal invitation. Now you can't say no one ever asked. I'd like to thank the priest tonight. Can I ask something before you do? Sure. Can I do a closing prayer? Oh, that would be a good idea. Okay. All right, let's do it. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Martin. That is one of the first prayers that a little child traditionally learns in the Catholic faith, that prayer that Father Marty just said. So, I'd like to thank the priest tonight, Father Mike. Thank you. Father Marty. Thank you. Father Dennis. Thank you so much. Thank you all for sharing your perspective on angels and demons with the audience tonight. As the struggle between good and evil continues in Burlington, keep your relationship with God alive and well. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I'd also like to thank the listeners for tuning in. Please join us again next week when the pastors gather around the dining room table here at St. John's Rectory. In the meantime, don't touch that dial. Keep it right here on KCDM for more truth and light. Thanks for listening and good night. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 